Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. It's Sunday night and that means it's time for the Premier League Weekend Review Show. And with most teams entering into the final 10 games of the Premier League season this weekend, we have a slightly clearer picture of who will be playing Premier League football next season and who won't. And we also have a little bit of a better idea of who is going to be in Europe next season and who will not. Or... So we think. That's what we think is the situation. But as is often the case with Premier League football, we don't have a clue. In part one, that's where we get ourselves started. The North London derby. Arsenal ended their difficult run against Tottenham with bragging rights and painting North London red. 2-1 winners over Jose Mourinho. Part two, that's the race for Europe. And alongside that big, big derby results, we'll be looking at Leicester. They hammered Premier League whipping boys Sheffield United 5-0. And also Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea after they drew nil-nil against Leeds and then to wrap it up down the bottom Brighton 2-1 winners in their own derby at home to Southampton that's given them a fighting chance of staying up and we're going to be taking a look at all the other action from the last 48 hours my name is Fergal Brennan and joining me tonight we have broadcaster and poet Dave Scott aka our kid if you follow him on Twitter Dave how are you doing I'm very good, thank you very much, Fergal. Yourself? I'm good. I am delighted because Arsenal beat Tottenham. And to be <laughs> honest with you, it doesn't get much sweeter at the moment. Life's pretty miserable, so I'm taking all the little victories I can. And as well as Dave, we've also got lifelong Manchester City fan and podcaster Ant McGinley. Ant, how's things? Very well. I'd be high-fiving you right now if it wasn't for the current uh, restrictions that we have. So, air five. Thanks. And... Yeah, oh, ooh, good, good, good. You did that thing where you looked at my palm and I looked at yours. Yeah, that went brilliantly. Um, digital high fives aside, Arsenal 2, Tottenham 1. Biggest game of the weekend, or certainly that's how it was billed uh, before kickoff. Dave, we're going to go to you first on this. Manchester United beat Manchester City in the Manchester derby recently. And even though we all know that City have got the title wrapped up, in this kind of strange world of no fans and, and a lot of things already being decided in, in the Premier League. A derby win is still a derby win and given the season that Arsenal have had, 
you can forgive me and the rest of the Gunners for, for clinging on to this one. No, no I, w- I wouldn't blame you at all. I, I had my shirt over my head in the front room when we beat City last week. It was very much a Champions League final and I'm, I'm milking it for all it, all it is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so no one, I don't think anyone could take it away from you. Uh, and especially the sort of season that you're having at the moment because there's not really a lot to play for at Arsenal. Uh, and it was a, to, to win from uh, going a goal down uh, to that sweet Rabona uh, by Lamella as well I thought once he'd scored that that Spurs may turn the corner because you were the better team for the majority of the game I just wanted to touch on the, the Obama Young thing because when I seen the the rumours before the, the lineup, and it said that he wasn't going to get picked I thought it was a brave move by <clears throat> by Arteta because uh, I'm not too sure whether you, you drop your best players like that on, on, on uh, so close to a big game uh, as a United fan I used to like it when Ferguson kept all his sort of you know, the family affairs indoors, you know, like in The Godfather, you never let anyone outside of the family know what you're thinking. I thought that Arteta might keep his cards <laughs> close to his chest and that the uh, dropping Aubameyang may come back to bite him in the backside. But no, it was a, it was a fantastic win and it was it was thoroughly deserved as well. Uh, when you're looking at the, the young players that Arsenal have got coming through, I think it was it Smith, is it Roll Smith Roll Smith, that Smith, hit the Smith, Smith, earlier on? Mm. Yeah, absolutely about 25 yards. Absolutely fantastic. I thought he was one of the best plays on the pitch uh, so it's for a deserved win I'm not too sure what it means for your season perhaps you can still get in the Europa League but um, yeah you've you got to enjoy it while you can in these dark days in these dark days indeed it's dark outside although we've got a little bit more sunlight to, to keep us going at the minute and Dave is right the Aubameyang situation was one of the big stories before kickoff. and for me as an Arsenal fan looking at this before the game I'd essentially made up my mind that if we didn't win today that's the season over because we probably wouldn't be able to make up ground to get into the Europa League. I don't think we're going to win the Europa League either and obviously out of the two cups already. But the Aubameyang situation, he was left out because of disciplinary reasons. Mikel Arteta was fairly tight-lipped. He just said there'd been a a breach of COVID-19 protocol by him uh, in the days leading up to the game. He decided that it wasn't worthy of dropping him completely, just putting him on the bench. Given the fact that, as I've just said, that was how I was seeing this game, I'd imagine that Arteta and a lot of Arsenal fans would be seeing it in a similar situation, as well as the added um, impetus of it being a derby. Your captain makes a stupid mistake and gets himself dropped from the team. That's a terrible piece of preparation um, and probably raises some question marks about Aubameyang's future. Yeah, um, I mean, it could be all smoke and mirrors. Let's think of it because everyone was talking about that beforehand. It throws things away, but obviously, you, you know. But he's it, done it's something. The kind of play, that, yeah. It's a play that you want in the side, and it, it turned the focus very much onto the fact that Kane was in the squad and Obama Yang wasn't. And uh, uh, there was all sorts of things going around. I know he got in trouble a couple of weeks ago because there was that picture of him getting a tattoo on his hand, and you know there was an investigation going on about that so this is possibly what it was there was also reports that he was late for training or late for the game which i find really confusing because it was at home you know and you are the captain (laughs) so you kind of you kind of think you would get that together even i struggled to be late for anything that's happening at home uh what i did find really weird about it though was the fact that they've effectively used the the subs bench and and dave can back me up because he's got kids here They've used the subs bench like some kind of naughty step. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a timeout. It's like, yeah, you've done something bad. You're going to sit on this step until you, you know, until I say you can come off it. And I'm not sure that that's really the right way to use it. I know we've we've seen in, in other issues where there's been problems with players and they've been left out of the squad, and that's that's more of a message. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a weird power dynamic there. It kind of says you're going on the naughty step. 
but also we want to be able to pull you back in just in case it's it's going it's going wrong. I mean, from 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 Arteta's point of view, that's that's a brilliant win. That's a really really good win. One because it's against somebody's experience as Mourinho. Uh, and two, he hasn't used Adibayor, which w- would have been would have been a great excuse for him. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of these situations that ha- it's all worked out very well, and I- I'm sure Arteta will be breathing a big sigh of relief tonight. Yeah, I think I speak for all Arsenal fans when I say, no matter how bad things are with Aubameyang, we should never bring Adebayor on. I think that would be a punishment for everybody <laughs> involved. Um, just before we move on to the actual game, I just want to ask another quick Aubameyang question, Dave. You mentioned before there Ferguson and the way that he kind of rolled before big games in terms of revealing news about his lineup and who'd be in and who'd be out. And obviously Ferguson is the kind of, again, to steal your godfather reference, the godfather of these big calls and disciplining players and not being frightened to, to lay down the law to some of his most established stars. Given the fact that, as Ant said, Arteta's kind of fluffed it a bit by just putting him on the bench, but then he's doubled down by not bringing him on. He brought on Willian, he brought on Pepe, when an obvious option would have been Aubameyang to come on. He's he's dealt with this in a very odd way. If he dropped him and dropped him completely, you'd, you'd see him as Mikhail, the authoritarian. By putting him on the bench and not bringing him on, he's kind of sat somewhere in the middle. And when you've got such a young team that are obviously impressionable to the to the um, behaviours of the Aubameyangs or David Luiz or, or any of the senior members of the squad... Is this the right course of action by Arteta? Obviously, at this stage, we're still speculating about exactly what happened. But when you are managing a young team, it is all about the examples you set. Yeah, I mean, it's what my dad always said to me if I'm going out gambling, that you should always edge your bets. Uh, so I don't think he was going to, you know, uh, keep him out in the cold because he might, might shoot himself in the foot if he did need to bring him on for, for a goal. But I think it just sort of shows that he is. It, it, it does send a big message, especially when you look at Arsenal's previous, and you've got players like uh, Ozil as well in the past that's not sort of behaved for, 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 for the managers and stuff, and it sort of shows what Arteta's like. I think maybe if he has turned up late to the game today, um, then he, he had to put Obama Young on, on the bench. But if it was uh, twice in a week training, then he might not have given him to the, the squad altogether. But um, I, I think it's, it's a brave move and it's paid off because I think equally so. If it like, what do you get out of Obama Young? Because you put a chip on his shoulder, then if you're looking for a goal and you sort of bring him on. So I think he was edging his best, but I think he, I think he won overall in the sort of dynamics. Uh, in terms of the players that did get on the pitch for Arsenal and Emile Smith-Rowe that we picked out before hit the bar in the first half he was, he was really impressive Bukayo Saka we know quite a bit about him he's well established into the into the Arsenal first team right now but Smith-Rowe and, and Martin Erdegaard who got his first Premier League goal the equaliser after Lamela's Rabona both of them look to be kind of dovetailing quite nicely in what is a young front three in behind Lacazette slash Aubameyang when he, when he gets himself off the naughty step and if those players can keep performing mentally, keep themselves in the right position, then it could be a bright end to the season for Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like Saka's very young as well, and, and as you say. And Odegaard, I think, potentially is... It, I've only seen a handful of games. I, I looked into him a couple of years ago when uh, I was doing some work in Norway when he got signed by Real Madrid, and there was such a huge buzz at the time, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing him. And he was a very exciting player. It didn't really work out for him there. They sent him out on loan to a few places. And especially sort of the last 18 months, it's really stepped through. So I'm really pleased that he's kind of hit the ground running at Arsenal. And it does kind of make you think that, you know, we, we, we were talking before we started recording about 
when was the last time you kind of felt that <laughs> Arsenal had played really well? And I think you said 2005. And I think you know, a long you're, way. You're, in a, you're, you're in a position now where, where this season, you know, you, you're going to finish mid-table, things go well, you know, you, you, could, you could find yourself playing in Europe again next season. But I, I think you're, you're setting up for a great, core of players for next and, and the style of football for next season and obviously there's there's lots that comes into it I, I, I don't know how much that is for respite that it gives or reward that gives to you as a fan or any other Arsenal fans out there saying it's a bit like the old only fools and horses you know this time next year Rodney this time next year uh, but as you say there's there's some real flashes I think not just not just in this game but ever ever since he's really broke through last season, Saka's been one of the most exciting players I've seen in the Premier League when he's had those great games. And the potential of this combination, especially now that you've taken the step, and, and we just we were talking about Aubameyang there as well. We're also talking about Arteta's man management, and this is the guy that finally solved the Ozil problem and took that tough decision and left him out of not just the squad for a game but the squad for a season and so I, I think this is testament to maybe um, Arteta's style as a manager moving forward in that he's not afraid to be a a strict headmaster if you will um, obviously, objection, uh, objections, objectives between now and the end of the season is going to start coming into play, Dave. And Tottenham, before this match, given the fact three wins in a row in the Premier League, two wins in the Europa, things had seemed to turn for them. Gareth Bale was hitting a bit of form and, and still fitting into the same team as Song Hong Min and Harry Kane. And if Tottenham had won today, and I'll be honest, ahead of kickoff, Arsenal had been playing so badly that I, I did think that that was going to be the case. That would have put them right behind Chelsea in the race for top four. If Arsenal's objectives are to get into the Europa League, has this result ended Tottenham's chances of getting into the Champions League? Is, is the Europa League the best they can shoot for now? Uh, I, I think so. I actually think t- today was a bigger game for, for Arsenal in terms of uh, what you've got to play for for the, to the season to give you a chance in the Europa League. But I think it might be too far for Spurs, but the way this season's gone with everyone taking points off each other in the top four, uh, minus Man City, I, I don't know when you've you got West Ham <laughs> tinkering on the end, <laughs> edge of Champions League spots. Uh, anyone can win the lottery this season. But um, uh, you've got to worry with, with Sodden going off uh, for the, the League Cup final. Is it in a couple of weeks, isn't it, for, for Spurs? Yeah, end of April. Uh, yeah, yeah so, so it looks like a hamstring while Son went off the, the pitch. So I think they'll miss him. Harry, Harry Kane, I know, I know he hit the post. Uh, with a free kick late on, but he had a, he had a quiet afternoon. Um, and Bale as well, like I said, he does seem to have a bit of form. But when he was taken off, he he didn't have, he had the right strop. He didn't want to talk to Jose or any of the other teams when he went there sitting on the bench afterwards. So I mean, yeah, I I, I think it's Spurs are going for Europa and then probably challenge it alongside um, Arsenal. But I think from an Arsenal fan's point of view, you've got to take something some some um, amusement from Jose Mourinho's pre-match comments, haven't you, Fergal? Where he says he only looks up the oh, table, yes. and now you're and now you're only are you only four points off off Spurs now? Yeah, as it stands, yeah. I yeah. think so. Yes, <laughs> it's it's such a difficult one to gauge with Spurs, and because. Not quite on the same scale as Arsenal, but it does seem to be a lot of two, one step forward, two steps back with them this season. And yeah, those string of results and Bale starting to click and Kane obviously being consistently good, you, you'd expect them to, to push on and push on. And that, that just wasn't the case in this. And aside from Eric Lamela's Rabona, which if you haven't seen yet, get online, go and have a look at it. Even as an Arsenal fan, I had to say, wow, what a finish. Um, didn't really show a lot in this game and 
Mourinho will be looking at this and saying these are the matches that we need to turn up for if we're to keep any chance of, of getting into the top four. I, th- I think if you've no idea uh, about f- football or about Spurs specifically... You've rumbled you me, to, and thanks for outing you know, me live just, on the podcast. <laughs> and, and, and anybody that's listening to this and, and they're just like kind of like, what, what is this Tottenham Hot Spurs? If you want a very quick lesson in what the club is like, watch the game today and focus on... Eric Lamella because in many ways he is the living embodiment of Tottenham Hotspurs moments of brilliance and excitement early on only to leave you frustrated and filled with a familiar sense of disappointment by the end because uh, he ended up getting himself sent off for that second yellow card and and pretty much that's what we've had from Spurs over the last few seasons you know it, it's um it feels like only a few weeks ago everybody was so excited about that combination of of Kane and Son tearing it up and they were and I know it's a little longer than a few weeks ago now but we were seriously considering them as challenges for the league and it feels like especially over the last four seasons they're in that mix they have that conversation there and 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 it's a serious conversation we're not just paying them lip service we're saying seriously they could do it and then they drop away and even though we've we've had this and for years Spurs have been known for you know just dropping away for the for the last few seasons, sometimes because of food poisoning, sometimes because of other reasons. It's um, th- 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 there's a real I, I I don't know what it must feel like to be a Spurs fan at the moment, but it can't be fun because you know they're capable of good things. You know they're capable of moments of brilliance like like we saw um, with, with that goal today, which, as you say, is an absolutely sort of nailed on not just for for goal of the season but i i reckon we could see that as being shortlisted for um the the fifa goal of the year as well just because of it um i just want to say as well uh, following my um my misstep with Adebayor earlier uh, <laughs> my favorite moment from the game today was when glenn hoddle set up Gascoigne. i just thought that was amazing yeah i mean those are the types of things that can slip through the net but it was brilliant stuff from gaza um uh, without sounding too much like a delighted Arsenal fan, Dave, there was very little to write home about from from Spurs today. And as Ant points out, the Eric Lamela situation was was classic from him, an absolutely unbelievable goal. And then he goes and gets himself sent off. But the other big talking point surrounding his red card was was Harry Kane and his his clash with Gabriel. And we've seen quite a few times this season that players, particularly his his fellow pros, have called him up for the kind of bending back trick that he does where he lets players come in for a header header challenge with him and then he kind of bends over and lets them go over and, and hurt themselves. And so far, nobody's been significantly injured, but he does have that in his locker where he'll come across a player and leave an arm in or go across the shins. And it was a nasty one on Gabriel that probably in the wake of Lamela being sent off, the referee was happy to let go. But he is developing a reputation for this. And then on the flip side of that, he's also de- developing a reputation for being allowed to get away with it because he's England captain, he's the golden boy, and he does have a have a profile within English football. Do you, do you actually believe that? Or, or is that like a, as an Arsenal fan coming through that, that, that he's getting a sort of preferential treatment for being a, you know, England boy? Uh, I, I think he is because... This has happened quite a few times. This, particularly the the bending of the back, where he's been in a position where he could have injured players in the past. And I might be wrong on this. I, I don't think he's ever been sent off. I'm not calling for Harry Kane to be sent off for these types of things, but for me, he very rarely gets booked based on the amount of fouls he gives away. And I've never seen him getting red carded. And I never really see him getting scrutinised for this 
perceived kind of dirty tricks. No, I mean, has he actually been sent off in his career? Let me Google that. Let me Google that while you're. Yeah, yeah. I think if he has, it's only it's, it, it, it's only one or two. Um, the thing about him him doing the sort of back move, which sounds about like a dance move, the way he describes it. But so, so what, the way the way I'm envisioning it now is that so the player sort of falls over and tumbles with yeah. the opportunity to maybe land land funny. Is that a foul? Is 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 that his fault, or is that you know him protecting his head and it's the player who's going up against him that should be more careful when they're going towards the ball. You know, I, mean, I, I, I don't think that's obstruction. I see. I see what Dave is saying in terms of is it a foul? Is it dangerous play? I think it's more the onus being on the referee to pick up on these things. Um, just because he's not going in two footed and doesn't necessarily mean it's not a foul. I think what's happening is referees, mm. particularly within the VAR const- uh, constraints that we've got this season, are second guessing themselves and because there's maybe not an obvious foul being given away. They they don't want to call it against him. I don't understand what the alternative is, though. I mean, he, he could stand up and then maybe run a risk. And I, I'm not I'm not Harry Kane's biggest fan. Obviously, the Spurs centre forward. I'm, I'm I'm not a huge huge fan of his. But I just don't know. You know, does he keep his back upright to try, maybe give them the advantage when people are jumping up against him? I I, I just don't know what, what other way you want him to sort of play it. Uh, the stuff regarding the, the the sort of snide elbows and stuff. You see him you see him doing it all all the time in the box. Uh, but that's down to the referees and the VAR. Obviously, you you, you play to the whistle as the old saying goes. Uh, just checking here, he's never been sent off as far as I can see by my mats. He's had 32 yellow cards across 233 Premier League appearances. That's an average of seven bookings a season. Does that sound like a dirty player to you, Ant? Uh, it sounds like a clever player. And, I, I, you know, I, I think uh, in, in the position that he is, there's, there's not many. I'm trying to think of occasions that I've even seen him in, but I can't think what he's, he's been for. I have seen him. More, I mean, and and similarly to to Dave, while I respect him as a as a goal scorer and his ability, uh, th- there's something about him that I've just never really taken to, and I think that's where, uh, particularly where he's been desperate to claim credit for everything, even if it like brushed past the hair on his you know on his fringe <laughs> as it's gone through, you know, and and we we had that famous occasion where was it two or three seasons ago where he went through the whole thing of an appeal and like sw- he did a video to Instagram swearing on his daughter's life that the goal was his. And it just seemed like just a real extreme sort of thing to put out there. Um, I, I don't think he's a dirty player. I just think for the obvious strength and ability that he's got, he just goes down too easy. So he, he's a clever player. I'll give him that. He's a clever player. And I think if he's your player, you love that. If he's not your player, it doesn't sit so well. Wow, I didn't think either of you would come to Harry Kane's defence quite so strongly. I never had you. I never had you down for this, particularly you, Dave. I'm I'm shocked. Well, you know, I, I don't, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't really like the bloke, even more or less when he's been swearing on his daughter's life that his fringe touched the ball for a goal live on Instagram. That's just, I mean, how sadly. Well, that's like the cringiest. That's not trustworthy behaviour. No, that's like David Brent the footballer years or something. That's just... <laughs> I would love to see him score now and do the David Brent dance from the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, I think I think it's only a matter of time before we see that. I'd made my mind up on Harry Kane. Dave, for some reason, has decided to back him. Uh, I'm very disappointed uh, that Dave hasn't supported me on this one. I'm absolutely furious. But don't worry, Jay Motti will be back next week and he always agrees with me. So we won't have to go through this again. Uh, we're going to call it there for part one. Uh, the Harry Kane show will continue after the break, but we won't be talking about Harry, dirty Harry, as I'm calling him from now on. We're going to be looking at the race for Europe, which obviously does involve Arsenal and Spurs, but we're also going to be talking about Leicester. They battered Sheffield United 5-0 and Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea drew 0-0 away at Leeds. We're going to be talking about all of that and more after the break. We'll catch you in a second. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League weekend review show. Before the break, it was all about North London as Arsenal edged out Tottenham in the big, big, big North London derby. We're now going to be looking at the race for Europe. Obviously, Arsenal-Tottenham heavily involved in that. Uh, Ant, Ant McGinley, I'm going to go to you first on this. Leicester, yep. Sheffield United... It's been a massive week for Sheffield United. Chris Wilder's now confirmed has left the club. Uh, Paul Heckingbottom will take over on a caretaker basis between now and the end of the season. Um, as much as Manchester City's title is nailed on, Sheffield United's uh, sorry Manchester City's title is nailed on. Sheffield United's relegation is is essentially nailed on. Um, and they just looked absolutely rudderless today against Leicester. We're going to talk about Leicester in a second, but. Given the situation at Sheffield United, it's just descended into an absolute farce and nobody wins from this. Yeah, it's a real shame as well because it's a club that gained a lot of fans last season. And I mean by that, like fans of other clubs had a respect for them, not just in terms of where they finished in the season, but the way that they played and the way that they took teams on. And we've seen this before when when teams come up and, and really sort of turn it on. I remember... Going way back, Fulham being the first team I remember seeing this uh, when, when they came up about 15 years ago and just really sort of turning people's heads. But Sheffield United did something differently. They, again, they didn't have the budget. They played really well. They came in with a three at the back, the exciting play. They weren't afraid of anybody. And the, 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 one of the best games of last season for me was that 3 all with Manchester United. And the overall it was their defense was brilliant it was it was so good there was something really exciting and it was very down to earth as well and this season it hasn't worked for them and one of the big problems has been they've not been able to get the goals but at the same time they've been and, and it depends how much you put down in football to look and others that thing of creating your own look but there's many games I've seen with them where you go they were unlucky in that because they've lost so many games this season by just the one goal now if you wanted proof that getting rid of Chris Wilder was a bad idea, this was it. Because today what we saw was a team that had given up. As I said, most of the games we've lost this season has been to a single goal. And today you pretty much saw a team that gave up without taking anything away from Leicester City. They just weren't in it. Their hearts weren't in it. And I think that there was a sense that, especially when you had the, the owner came out a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, and did a radio interview and was full of praise and backing for Chris Wilder. And he says, look, he's my man. We're not going anywhere. We're keeping it. I, I think even though the club was going to go down and you know that there would be changes and there would be impact on the players and the contracts, there was still a belief. And in recent 
in, in recent weeks we've seen some great gritty gutsy performances and it was a team that was okay we're going to go down but we're going to play and Dave will tell you all too well about the result that they got there but the what again what you saw here was a real just a mess as you say and there's no better word for it and in terms of what like what's gone on behind the scenes various stories and I think what must be the most frustrating thing is it sounds like Chris Wilder really wanted to be there and the owner of the club really wanted him to be there but there's other things that are in place that they couldn't agree on and so you have this situation of it's like when your friends have an argument and they, they just fall out and it's just over something stupid and you're just like you want to take them to the pub set them down by them trick them both into coming meet me for a pint and then you, you you sit them at the table and you go away and you go right you two sort it out i'll be back in an hour and that's kind of what 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 needs to be done here uh but whether it's because we can't go to the pub that this has happened or whether it's something else you know without without going into it but it just makes it just makes no sense especially as there doesn't seem to be a plan it's not as if they've gone right he's out here's somebody else coming we saw like four different names going around that potentially were going to come in and, and take over we, we've seen other clubs and we know clubs plan ahead for this and they've had enough time to know that they're going down and to look around and make plans and go okay we're going to move forward this is our plan for next season we're going to bring them in at the end of the season so we've got a transition we've got a good pre-season and we're set for next season and life in the championship but it's almost as if they've just suddenly woke up and gone, oh, 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 and had a panic. And it just makes no sense. And I'm really, I'm really sad to see Chris Wilder leave. And I hope that he, and I'm sure he will because of what he's done. Uh, I'm sure he'll find another club soon. And I hope we see him back in the Premier League because he's, he's done some amazing things. And he's genuinely just a really nice guy. And there's a nice atmosphere around the, the clubs that he's at. I just have this mental image now. You're saying sitting around the pub table of, of Prince Abdullah and Chris Wilder, just you know, kind of sitting under the darts board, trying to thrash it out, scampy fries, couple of pints, trying to see if they can, I, you know, trying to see I if they can you, just that, get to the bottom of yeah. this. I tell you that that would make such a difference. That's been the biggest effect of COVID: the fact that they've not had the scampy fries and dart boards to be able to sort out negotiations. That's the biggest impact of COVID on football. <laughs> well, that's the big message. If anyone here listening runs a pub, works in a pub in Sheffield or the surrounding area, Prince Abdullah, Chris Wilder, table for two when the lockdown restrictions ease. Get them in and let's see if maybe we can get to the bottom of this. Um, moving away from scampy fries and onto Leicester City uh, sentence, I never really thought I would say, uh, Dave. <laughs> This was excellent again from Leicester and, and so many times on the podcast and I think in general when we talk about Leicester we always kind of do it with that kind of intake of breath have they got the squad have they got enough players to to get themselves over the line and, and this was the other side of the coin of what we can see from Leicester last weekend it was a little bit of guts and grit they won 2-1 away from home at Brighton late goal for Daniel Amati and then today yes it was against Sheffield United who, who as we said are dead and buried uh, Scampi Fry style but they absolutely battered them. Kalichi Iheanacho, hat-trick. Jamie Vardy was excellent. Yuri Tielemans, fantastic, keeping things ticking over in midfield. And I think because we generally just automatically talk about United, City, Chelsea and these types of teams established as, as top four, for me now, I'm willing to, you know, put my hands down on the table in the pub with Wilder and Prince Abdullah and say that Leicester City are home and dry in the in the top four. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure about they that. Are. I think they are. The, the, I don't care what Prince Abdullah says. They are. <laughs> 
I mean, they've got some ch- tricky fixtures ahead, and I think they're, they're only five points ahead of uh, Chelsea at the moment. But uh, I mean, let's let's talk about the game first. Um, I mean, you've got to beat who's in front of you, and I don't think anyone expected Sheffield United to go to the King Power Stadium today and get anything at all. I've, I, I expect them to get beat. I'm not too sure. I expect them to get hammered the way they did. But um, I've come on this podcast before, and I've, I've maybe done a disservice to Leicester City in saying that they've got a strong starting eleven. It's when you start looking at the subs bench and the the, the the rest of the squad, and if they can do it on a consistent basis. And you look at the job that Rodgers did last season, and I know they fell off towards the end uh, after the, the break of coronavirus, but it was an amazing season. And they've just done it again this year. And today, the performance, and they didn't they, they didn't have two of what for me are the best plays in Harvey Barnes and um, is it James Madison. I don't think played yeah. today either, but they just caused massive problems, and you're just creating ridiculous chances after chance. And I know, uh, again, we've mentioned it on this podcast regarding that if Vardy isn't scoring, then 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 Leicester don't score. Now I think Vardy might swear in his daughter's life on Instagram that he got the goal at the end of the game today. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not no, too he'd, sure. He'd that leave he that to it. your best mate, Harry Kane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was a, it, it was an own goal. But yeah, Leicester Leicester running out five, five no winners. Uh, it was fully deserved. I don't know if they've got enough to finish second because I think looking down the line, I think they've got to play United on the 11th of May. Um, yeah. Like a rerun, right, rerun of last season in terms of uh, them two playing each other towards the end of the season. And I think they've also got to go to City, Chelsea and Spurs. Uh, so if Chelsea beat them, then you know it's a two-point gap between them two. So... I think maybe one or two more wins and they're, uh, and they're there, depending on what what happens regarding United and the teams around them. Uh, so I'm not as confident as you are, Fergal, unless they're finishing top four, but I've, I think they've got a really strong chance. Uh, and looking at the game itself, Clichy Nacho, former Manchester City striker, he's he's had a bit of a mixed time since moving to Leicester in terms of consistency. And, and I mean that in terms of actually getting into the team and performing. We, we touched on him quite a bit last weekend, uh, maybe we were looking through the crystal ball that he was going to bang in a hat-trick this weekend. But he's starting to show now what we saw in flashes at City. I don't know if you're in the, the kind of gang of City fans that did think he was an excellent player and just thought maybe the time wasn't right. He wasn't considered flash in the pan when he was at Man City. He was seen as the real deal. But due to the fact that Manchester City have so much money and the objectives that they're pushing for, he probably wasn't quite that level at that time but he's definitely a player that can cut it in the Premier League. Absolutely. And uh, when you look at his record, I think it's about something like one in three for the games that he played. He only played about uh, 60 games. And over those, I think he only made like actually 12 starts. So that's that's a pretty good record for, for a bit part player. And, you know, the, the, obviously you're playing against a team whose heart wasn't in it today, let's be honest. So it was a perfect opportunity for him to, to get that in. But, it's not just his performance today. I think this is possibly like the the third game in the ro- in a row that he scored in as well. It, feel, it certainly feels like that, and it is really nice to see. I think it's um, you know it, it it's a player that you know m- maybe will look ahead in future because he could have tr- obviously plays for Nigeria, but he had the option to to play for England as well. I don't think he's he's quite at the standard that would sort of uh, threaten the likes of Harry Kane, but we are really seeing something blossoming and and also as well him playing that well is having a really good impact on Leicester because uh, we saw you know Jamie Vardy play slightly different around him setting up a lot more opportunities than than we've maybe seen with uh, I I don't think this is an age thing with Vardy I think maybe it's not just Ian actually having confidence in himself I think it's the team around him having more confidence in him and so I, I think this is a really great time for him to come through 
uh, especially as they move towards the end of the season in the position that they're in. And, and Dave pointed out that one of the games you missed out that they've got is West Ham as well. So as it sits, um, the only team that's around uh, and threatening Leicester City's position that they're not playing before the end of the season is West Ham. Sorry, it's Everton because they're playing West Ham and Man City in the first few games. So really, they are in control of their own destiny. And uh, I, I, I've said this before when we've, I've been on and we've previously talked about this, but Leicester City in the Champions League was a breath of fresh air because they came in and they ripped up a lot of the rules that people have. Well, you know, you haven't got form in the Champions League. And all. They, they, in fact, it was very similar to when we saw the likes in recent seasons of Atlant- Atalanta coming through and playing that kind of fearlessness. And uh, I, I know they, they stumbled out of the Europa League, but in terms of the players that they've got, the squad that they've got when they're all fit, I think that's a really exciting team. And as a neutral in terms of that, I'd really like to see Leicester City back in the Champions League. And I think they are certainly in a position to make that happen and they will kick themselves if they don't. Uh, one of the other teams that Leicester do have to face that will be pushing for Champions League, as, as Ant mentions, Dave, is Chelsea. Nil-nil away at Leeds. Um, you would you would imagine for Leeds their season is going to fizzle out. They should be safe um, from getting dragged into a relegation battle. 36 points with, with 10 games to go. They look OK. But as for Chelsea, they're still unbeaten under Thomas Tuchel. But this was a game that, based on their form, based on the way that they've been playing, you'd expect them to have ticked off as three points. Bielsa and Tuchel both said about the pitch at the end of the game and the weather and all these things had a bit of an effect. But ultimately, one point is not really good enough to to kind of get that little bit of a gap between themselves and West Ham and Everton and Tottenham. And Chelsea would be frustrated with this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, just for the neutral, it's quite disappointing uh, considering how much uh, Leeds have either been conceding or scoring. Uh, I'm not too sure how many goalless draws have actually had this <laughs> this season involving Leeds. So um, if you if you backed uh, a nil nil draw, then you you would have been in the money at the weekend. But uh, it's four clean sheets now, isn't it for Tuchel? Um, and I think he has more of a clue about how he wants to play his team as opposed to. Frank Lampard, who spat his dummy out when what he wanted to do was, wasn't working. And I think it was a fair result. Um, look, I, th- I think they're playing better than they, they were under, under Lampard. But I think with Chelsea making the change halfway through the season, it gives them a little bit of leeway in terms of him getting it together. I always think it's a better, I think it's a better decision when you, you change your manager halfway through the season. Like, I think Liverpool did it with Klopp and Brendan Rodgers and you get, give them a bit more time to get to get their ideas together. Uh, it was an interesting what he did with uh, Pulisic. I think it's his first time he played him yesterday and he played him as a wing-back. Um, and I think that, that was a bit of a strange uh, strange decision. But again, Chelsea were in the hunt for, for, for top four and that, it didn't look like that was the case when they were when they had um, Frank Lampard in charge. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a terrible game. Pitch and wind and weather aside, uh, it's not one that you'd be watching the highlights for. Um, given the situation that they find themselves in and pushing for top four, they've, they've got a lot of competition around them. Man United, West Ham have both got games in hand on them, so have Everton, so have Tottenham. And given the fact that time is running short and Tuchel knows that he hasn't got that window to, to drop points with draws or, or even potentially defeats, do you think things could come off the, the rails for him a little bit if, if one of those teams that I mentioned puts in a run of form? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I've been really disappointed... Uh, with Chelsea, I know like they, they've kind of come in and he's had this unbeaten run since he's been in charge, but it's not like they've been, you know, tearing things up. It's just, and I, I think this game embodied it. And especially when you you look back at it and you look at some of the chances that they missed, there just seems to be 
like Zayac in particular, there just seems to be he doesn't have the the I'm not even sure what the what the right the hunger, I guess, is the word. It just doesn't seem hungry to be like making the runs necessary when he's such an exciting player. And I know he, he he struggled and he came with an injury, but he doesn't look the player that we saw at Ajax that seems really exciting. And and uh, like Havertz has done very well up front, but even there, you know, he he's still not quite used to that uh, role that he, they, he's got him in playing. And considering that the the wealth of talent that they've got. It just doesn't seem to be gelling, and that's, you know, that's that's a fair comment to make considering the the the, the, the amount of time that he's been in, and I'm sure that'll improve over time. But w- when you've got such talent at that club, not just on the pitch but also on the bench, uh, it, you know, it, it's just you just wonder what's happening, and 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 is he going to get it right? And obviously, Chelsea is not a club that gives you the time to figure all this out. And while while he's kind of steadied the ship in a way, I still think there'll be pressure and not a great deal of satisfaction with what's happening at the moment. Uh, before yeah, t- I mean, just, sorry, sorry, Fergal, I just wanted to, to ask on that. Um, they didn't have the bounce, did they? Uh, and, you know, sometimes when you bring in a new manager, it wasn't such an obvious, oh, we're, we're going to play better for this sort of manager. Like I said, he, he has steadied the ship. But, I mean, what what's the sort of... What's the objectives when he's been brought in? Do you think from Abramovich that you've got to get top four, top six is all right? Don't make us get any less than eighth. Well, what's the sort of what's the, what, what is a good finish for Chelsea now? I think well, based I think on the that, oh, go on. no, no, go on. Then. No, I, I, I think that the, the problem is, is is Chelsea has got really high expectations, and bear in mind it's only a couple of seasons since they won the Premier League. You know, we're, we're still in that level. Uh, they have gone through a lot of changes, and you've seen a lot of players uh, moved on and, and and shipped out. But I, I think for the amount of money that's invested, the amount that's there, the amount that they've spent as well, bear in mind that they had that one season where they couldn't buy anyone in the transfer window. They spent a lot of money. They brought a lot of players in. Uh, I think perhaps what they went for, um, there was a great relationship between Abramovic. Notice how I didn't say Ibrahimovic there. Uh, Abramovic (laughs) and... um, (laughs) uh, Between Abramovic and Lampard. And, you know, there was that, that thing that we saw, which I don't remember ever seeing any club do before like putting a letter out about the manager that's gone after they've got rid of him and there was a, it was quite heartfelt because what tends to happen in in this business is once you've gone it's almost like you were never there like history's been rewritten it's very 1984 um so i think lampard was given a, a great deal of grace for that what they've done here is they've gone right okay let, we had that one season we tried that experiment we couldn't hire any players okay let's get it back on track that's why he's gone for Tuchel. Uh, Tuchel, uh, I, I, that's that's an issue that I have at the minute. I want to keep wanting to call him Tuchel <laughs> because of uh, Z- because of Zayac. And you remember Zayac came in and he said it's Zayac, even though I spelled and uh, so anyway, I just call him the the gaffer. So the gaffer's come in and obviously he's got the experience, uh, the likes of PSG. But it, it, obviously, you know, he wasn't able to take PSG to the Champions League, which, like Man City, is the, the one thing that they're really chasing. I I think. He's gone for the experience to bring this group of players. And and what he's done, when you look back at how he managed, the personalities that he managed at PSG and how he managed to get them to play together. You know, the, the fact that he's got Neymar, who has a bit of a reputation that comes with him. Uh, and the, the, the young brilliance of Mbappe as well. You know, and, and all the different players that he's had under his tutelage and brought them together. I think that is the reason why he, out of everybody else has been brought in to do it at Chelsea. And if he can do that at Chelsea, 
if you can bring these disparate um I can't believe I used that word in a podcast. If you can bring these d disparate uh, personalities and talents together, Chelsea can have could have something really special. Because you know, I, again, I, I make this comparison a lot. But if you were playing FIFA and you had that squad in front of you that Chelsea have, you'd be thinking, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to win this game, whatever's on here." Yeah. And that's that's the magic that that you need a manager for. And you know, obviously Chelsea lost a lot of games under Lampard that they shouldn't have lost. So that's the first step. The next step, this is his project. And he's got enough time before the end of the season to demonstrate that. And he's got the potential to not just do that, but to also get them to into those Champions League spots. And if he can do that, I, I think we could see a very interesting Chelsea team next season. Uh, I'm delighted that Ant's on such good terms with uh, the artist formerly known as Mr. Tuchel that you can just call him Gaffer. I think that's very friendly terms. Uh, Dave, one other side pushing for Europe that suffered a bit of a bang this weekend was Everton, losing 2-1 at home to Burnley. Burnley are on that list like Leeds where they're probably already done enough. I think the 40-point mark is a bit of an old-school thing. I think 36-37 is generally all right, and that win brings them up to 33. But... As for Everton, they're now in a bit of a situation where their form's starting to desert them. And for all the positives that they have shown this season and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Luca Dean and some really impressive performances against sides that in the past they might have struggled against, this was the most Everton-esque game for Everton to lose. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm a United fan, but Everton have always. I've had a soft spot for them. And when I saw the result against Burnley, I was absolutely gutted. So God knows what it's like to be a toffer to see your team be able to beat Liverpool after so long this season at Anfield, or to get a great last-minute winner against a last-minute equaliser against United at Old Trafford, and then lose to the likes of Burnley and then drop other points against lesser teams. And I don't know whether it's down to concentration, a lack of ego, but I mean. That's the sort of win that you need to be doing to have any sort of intent to get to climb into the top four. And now they're, they're down to six, aren't they? And I think they've got they might have got a game in hand on Chelsea and United. So they're, they're still in with they're still, they're still in with a shout, but Ancelotti's got to turn that around very quickly. And I just want to pull you up actually, Fergal, because I was on Oi. one of the very first. Yeah, I just want to put, I, on, on the very. I was on one of the very first podcasts for this season. And you turned around to me and said that <laughs> Calvert-Lewin Calvert will never get double figures in the Premier League this season. So just, so just to bring that up now, he's got 14 goals in 25 games, Fergal. So... Well, I so well drop I start, that, drop that I, mic there. Do you know what? Do you know what? I make you a deal, okay? As a gambling man, I'll, I'll double down on it, okay? He won't get more than twelve. Well, I'll double. I bet you two bags of scampi fries. He doesn't get over <laughs> twenty before now and the end of the season. Do you take that bet, Dave? No, because he's only, well, not not in the form at the plane at the moment. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, how got, many games we got left? He's got he's got nine league games and an FA Cup game against United. Right. Okay. Um, Come on, put your scampi yeah, put your scampi fries yeah, where I, your mouth is. I will do it. A scampi fries and a game of darts is on me if, if he doesn't get twenty, and it's on you if he does. Right, fair enough. Ants, you're the witness to that. Prince Abdullah, you can also be a witness to that as well. Uh, a ridiculous yeah, we'll, part we'll two. Just be, we'll be the audience. <laughs> a ridiculous part two. We're going to call it there. Just give us a few minutes. Prince Abdullah, Ants, everybody who's listening, just, just bear with us. After the break, it's the relegation battle. Fulham, Brighton, Southampton, Newcastle, West Brom. They're all in the shake-up. Uh, and for some bizarre reason, so are Manchester City. We're going to be talking about all of that in just a few minutes. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. And just a quick reminder, if you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new podcast every single day. We are your go-to source for all things Premier League podcasts, daily reviews, previews, match reviews, absolutely everything you need to keep up to date with the English top flight. Right, relegation, the big R. And we've talked about Europe, we've talked about the, the race for Champions League, etc, etc. But... The race to avoid dropping down into the championship, Dave, looks like it's going to stretch on and stretch on and could potentially go right the way up to the last weekend of the season. Just to just to update how things are looking at the end of the weekend, Fulham, 29 games played, 26 points in 18th. Newcastle, 28 games played, 28 points in 17th. And Brighton, 28 games with 29 points. Brighton's where we're going to get started, Dave. And Derby's, North London Derby's, Arsenal getting a brilliant result against Tottenham. Brighton beating Southampton, given the fact that they're right in the shake-up to go down away from home when they've not had the best run of form in 2021 and they are right on that cusp of, of getting sucked into it. That was a huge result for, for Graham Potter. Yeah, absolutely fantastic result as well. I'm a big fan of uh, Graham Potter, although I did put Brian Potter into my notes and that's not the manager. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> it's going around, I've, I've, it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian uh, Potter... Yeah, I, Brian Potter, I, but no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Graham Potter, and I think that, and I don't really agree with Sam Allardyce, but I think he was correct when he said that Brighton would be a top eight team if they had a centre forward and knew how to finish chances. Uh, and I think if if um, Potter can get some small goals from around, around his team till end of the season, then I, I think they'll be safe because I think some of the football they've played this season, while I've not got the results, has been really good. And I don't know if you've seen the the tweet that was going around or there's, there's a clip on YouTube where there's like five minutes of against most of the teams in the league where they've created sensational chances but they've been really sort of badly missed so it sort of shows how much the difference would make for, for Potter's team Brighton if they had a, a great centre forward but I think I think he's a really good manager and, and if they play really good football it's just um, it's a shame they, where they are uh, I don't think Fulham's got enough games in them uh, to, to claw it back so I'm going to go for if you're going to put it down to me I'll put say the Fulham West Brom and Sheffield United as it is now are the ones that'll go down um, Brighton as, as Dave says and I've impressed a lot of people this season the football they've played Graham Potter has, has won over quite a few neutrals in terms of the, the tactics that he's looking to put across and you kind of get the sensation that because Neil Morpai isn't scoring the goals or they've had injuries surrounding other players that they are going to have to rely on midfielders set pieces to, to get them through Lewis Dunk Leandro Trossard got the goals against Southampton today and given the fact that we always talk about this idea of you need someone that's going to get you 10 or 15 to make sure you keep your head above water that's probably not going to be the case this season whoever survives isn't going to have somebody like that in their ranks do you think there's been a bit of a change in terms of the way that teams in the relegation zone approach these sorts of situations or do you just think this is a bit of a fluke this season I mean I think the situation that you're in now is like you don't care where the goals come as long as you're getting them and they're going in and I think from the the, the point of view of Trossard scoring today I think he's like third in the table for players who've hit the woodwork this season I think he's had about seven seven or eight shots that have hit the woodwork you know where where they could have scored so I think it's just really nice be great for him to have got that in um and I think as well when you when you look at the likes of um, City, it's only a couple of games ago where, where City won a game where both their goals were scored by their two centre backs. 
you know so if it's good enough for Pep Guardiola and, and the champions elect then I think it's, it's going to be good enough for anyone uh, they have got talent in the squad they've got some uh, question marks about about certain players I think um, Welbeck's shown flashes of what, what he's of some of his best uh, I think you know it it's it is a concern but also as well I, I think when when you've got a a, a player a, not player a manager there in in Graham slash Brian Potter uh, that plays the way that he does it is not your kind of traditional down near the bottom of the table lump it up to the big guy kind of manager and so so within that yes like the other thing you've got to factor in is like how expensive these players are to get to get a, a striker that scores that many goals a season, even to get a striker to come in and that's going to get you 10 goals a season, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Um, we're, we're very lucky, actually, uh, as we're heading towards the, the European Championships here, that we've got so many great English players uh, that are doing that for the, for, the, for the England national side going into that tournament to pick from that have scored over 10, just, just going off the back of the conversation about uh, Calvert-Lewin before. But I think you cannot underestimate how big a win that was for Brian, um, especially with Newcastle um, having pulled back from the the brink and got the point, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. But you know, Brighton are still going to be fighting all the way to the end of the season. You know, it's going to be very, very difficult, very nervous for them. Fulham are in in good form; they're not losing many games. It's going to be very, very tight, and so I, I, I think as long as the goals are getting in and they're getting some kind of result, I, I think the other thing to to point out as well from from his point of view as, as a manager and any Brighton fan as well is the fact that they held on, that they didn't give it away because they they've been terrible at sort of dropping games, dropping points from winning positions. So I think all round very, very satisfying for the Seagulls. Yeah. Brian Potter's army. I think it's fairly simple. You know, we're trying to work out the maths of all these uh, relegation permutations. I think it's very simple. If Brian Potter asks to manage the team, just say no. Only Graham. Only Graham. That's that's how you want to be moving forward before the end of the season. Can I, can I, can I just express my fear for Southampton? Um, that Brian Potter right now, becomes I, their manager. <laughs> it's more that... So I... I uh, full disclosure: I lived in Southampton for a little while, and uh, I, I saw them a couple of times when uh, Van Dyke was there. But um, if I'm right, they, they were up and about near the top of the Premier League this season. They, they were they were playing very well early on. There was exciting things being happened. Now I have a vague memory of sort of the mid '90s of Man City going top of the Premier League after three games, and then getting relegated that same season. And I just worry if. Southampton have just stalled so massively. Like they, they, they have breathing room, they have space at the moment, but just in terms of the, the, the morale and, and the, the size of the team, I, I think Southampton are in real danger of, of, not just being sucked into it, but actually being ended up in that relegation zone. Dave, nine points above the relegation zone, nine games to go. Would you agree, or do you, do you think Southampton have just about done enough? Uh. I mean, if we're saying Burnley is safe, they're on the same amount of points as Burnley. Uh, I don't know. I, I think 
No, I think Southampton. I think Southampton are enough. I, I think if anyone's going to dragged into it, then I think it'll be, it'd be Newcastle. But I think if, if Brighton win their Brighton win their game and they're on exactly the same points as Southampton and Burnley, which gives them a six point lead. If I'm right over Fulham, is that right? Uh, seven point. Just short. <laughs> Everybody's just squinting angle. and looking at the league table at the minute. I can I can just feel that. By the time and by the time you're hearing it, there's that many games happening all the time. It'll have changed completely. So. Um, the other team right in the middle of it is Newcastle won all against Aston Villa that was the Friday night game and 93rd 94th minute goal from your captain in a normal situation Dave you'd be looking at this and saying that Jamal Lascelles goal against the Villa side who were kind of on the edge of maybe getting into Europe would have a bit of a galvanising effect on, on Newcastle and Steve Bruce but you just don't feel like that everything still seems a little bit stale. There still seems to be a little bit of recriminations over the Steve Bruce, Ryan Fraser argument. And whilst, you know, we pointed out that Brighton are still in there, Southampton potentially, Fulham as well. If there's a negative club in the shake-up at the moment, it's definitely Newcastle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what I was just saying. If, if, if any team's going to get dragged into it, and you wouldn't be surprised by how the the managed uh, Steve Bruce is a you know as a legend as a player at Man United, but I just think an absolute woeful uh, <laughs> woeful manager. I've got a lot of friends, uh, Newcastle fans, and they'd be happy to see the back of him uh, along with the owner. Uh, so can definitely you know it, it was a, it was a lifeline to get the the equaliser against Villa. Like, was it ninety third minute they got it because uh, that gives me a bit of breathing room over Fulham. But I could, I, I could definitely see them getting overtaken by Fulham if, if Fulham could put a couple of wins together. Um, and as for Fulham, 3-0 defeat at home to your boys, Manchester City, who, let's face it, you know that's the reason why they're second bottom on the, on the list in the podcast today, because they are just powering away to the title. But Parker and Guardiola did that thing in midweek where they were like, oh no, you're so pretty. No, you're so pretty. Uh, but ultimately, Fulham were never going to get anything out of this. As impressive as they've been in the last month or so, City were never really going to take their foot off the gas. And Fulham know already that they're looking at the next two, three, four games to decide whether or not they're going to be in the Premier League next season. I think it's a sign of where they are in the league, the fact that Scott Parker already looks older than Pep Guardiola. Um, Don't I, let Pep I, Guardiola think, uh... hear you saying that. He's a big fan of Scott Parker. Yeah, and, and, and the, the the very nice. And, and I'll be honest, I think I think Scott Scott Parker's done wonderful things at Fulham. He's he's been brilliant, and I think I, I think they are more than an outside bet of of staying up. The the way that they're playing, they've they've managed to um, pull out some really good results, and they were doing really well against City in this. They, you know, they held them. Um, Till, till the, and it was an ex-City player in Toshin that actually sort of gave away what was quite a soft penalty uh, as well, which was a disappointment uh, for them. And he'll be, he'll be, he'll be scotted to do that. I'm, I'm surprised actually, give, just on that incident, that this game didn't get the headline of the podcast because it was Man City getting a penalty and having someone confident enough to step up and score it, which we haven't had for a while. So nice to see Aguero back. But in terms of Fulham. Yeah, I, I think the, the the problem is is a football game's played over 90 minutes. It's a cliche, but we hear it a lot. And th- they obviously showed that they have the ability to control a team like City, which very few teams have been able to do this season. And so, if if nothing else, the romantic in me wants them to be able to stay up. Because I, th- I, I think that the, in the same way that the romantic in, in uh, David wants Brighton to stay up as well, because of the football that they play. But yeah, you know, it could very well be that we're going to have to choose between uh, one of these two teams 
or Newcastle. And I think if it came down to it, we both go Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, yeah, and the, the funny thing is, is that the, the last game of the season is actually Fulham, uh, Newcastle go to Craven Cottage on the 23rd of May. So it could come down to that, that actual game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the loving with Guardiola and Parker just gives it gives us all a bit of confidence. If, if anyone's ever put on a, a cardigan or a jumper or a jacket, and as you're walking out the door, you think, mm, maybe not. What these two have basically shown is that when you get that nod off someone on the bus that says, nice jacket, even though it's not, you're okay. I think that's what they're doing. They're supporting each other in the in the crap Cardi Wars. Um, final game of the weekend to cover. Dave, we're going to give you the pleasure of this one. Crystal Palace won West Brom nil. For me, this has sent West Brom down. Um, every week, every weekend, we talk about this game has sent Sheffield United down. I think West Brom are now finished. Nine games to go, nine points adrift. Crystal Palace are probably safe up to 37th. We know there's going to be big changes at Sellers Park over the summer with Hodgson out of contract. And I think everybody bar the tea lady and the kit man uh, who might be getting a game depending on how things go next season um, Sam Allardyce West Brom are they done and dusted he was frustrated at full time but ultimately they got what they deserved which was which was nothing yeah uh, yeah. I mean they got exactly what he deserved and, and I think it was the sort of arrogance that we used to of Sam Allardyce that he came back into football like he was the, the firefighter extraordinaire who could stop clubs from going down and I think his legacy will be now that he took wet, that his last time in the Premiership was taking West, Br- West Brom down because uh, that's them done and dusted now not a chance of they staying in the Premier League good as well by the way <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I, I was looking at this there's nine games left if they win five of those nine games they're still not going to stay up you know, and, and that's the that's the wow. problem. They, they had one shot on target. You know, they, they, you look at the statistics where they are. Like w- winning winning five games is going to give them the same points that Burnley and Southampton are on right now. It's it's just it's it's beyond miraculous. I will say that right now and come back. And if it happens, I will also turn this water into wine. But this is it. it, it the, the, <laughs> Don't tell Sam. Sam Allardyce will be asking for a pint <laughs> if you do that. Yeah. If he if he overhears you saying that, yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, West Brom made that mistake though. It's like, and when you were talking before, when we, we, we've got to love him for the likes of Brighton and Fulham, because they actually want to play football and they don't rely on this, bang it up to the big man up front from the early noughties, late nineties style of football. And, and Sheffield United are in their position because, you know, they didn't have the squad. And I think they rely on heavily on the, the fans uh, at Bramall Lane to get them over the line and stuff. But it was a terrible decision by West Brom to get, the man- get rid of the manager and then to bring in a dinosaur like Sam Allardyce. So, you know, they brought it on themselves. Yeah, I think. And uh, if anyone does have any pint glasses or any wine knocking around, I'll, I'll just reiterate that message. Don't say it too loudly because Sam Allardyce is an absolute hound for that and he'll be round yours looking for some refreshment. Gents, we're going to call it there for the Football Social Daily Premier League weekend review show. Dave, Ant, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Good to see you, Fergal. I heard from you, Fergal. I hear from you, see from you. Too many pints of wine for you, Dave. Um, The guys will be back tomorrow. Jim, Marley and Niall looking at Manchester United's game against West Ham and also previewing Wolves against Liverpool as Jurgen Klopp's side look to benefit from a few stumbles in the race for Europe this weekend and get themselves right back in the mix. And don't forget, click subscribe on this episode. Brand new podcast every single day covering everything you need to know about the Premier League. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.